Welcome to the Data-Driven CX Podcast by Informatica. In this podcast, the fundamentals, real-life practices, and impact of data-driven CX are explored in conversations with industry thought leaders and successful business leaders. In this episode, we explore data-driven CX and answer the question, data-driven CX art or science? Or maybe both. I'm your host, Nienke Bloom, global thought leader and educator in customer experience management. And my guest today is Theo van der Steen, or in English, Theo van der Steen, CEO of Underlined and guest lecturer at the Geronimus Academy of Data Science, where it designed and hosts a data-driven CX course program. What a fabulous guest to have and to get his insights on data-driven CX. We have many global guests, but today, two Dutchies are on this podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Welcome. See you. Good morning, Nienke. Very happy to uh, to be on your po- your podcast in this uh, in this early hours. I'm looking forward to yeah. the chat. And uh, yeah. indeed, two Dutchies on the call. Uh, I'll have to get, get that. <laughs> yeah, and and let's share our a great conversation on data driven CX. But first of all, to well, of course, learn a little bit more about you. How did you grow into data driven CX? How did that happen? How did that happen? Uh, well, I, I started my career in IT. And uh, what you saw upcoming when I started my career in the early 2000 to late 90s is that uh, internet was uh, coming about. And I started to work for Philips Electronics and Procter & Gamble to help them with uh, first personalization made possible at the time on the web so that you could have an actual conversation with, uh, with P&G. That, that inspired my interest in yeah, data-driven working and uh, how you can in the early days already uh, by using digital and and software to accompany it, uh, personalize uh, interactions. Yeah, I think that's that's fabulous. Now, I know you are the CEO of Underlined. I already told that, but what does Underlined do? We are a company that basically is trying to grab data at at its core. So based on conversations that that customers have with the organizations they're working with. So to to understand what's actually happening in all interactions between a company and and the brand. For our company, we uh, two components to it. We have uh, a data science division that does a lot of programming work in natural language processing and process mining and, and gaining insight from data. And the other uh, component is consulting to, to help clients to get the most of uh, uh, out of all the data that, uh, that they have. I know that you've grown a lot also because you do really fabulous job, what I hear from some of your clients, but also because, of course, this is... This topic is hot and happening, or you see uh, big data and all these things. But what trends, or maybe trends, do you see when it comes to data-driven CX? I see a couple of trends. For instance, if you look at uh, the customer contact center, that's uh, changing quite rapidly uh, because of data and data science. The agent obviously has to have a good conversation with, uh, with their clients, but also given that data science is uh, developing as it is, you can actually use the, the, the voice conversations to, to gain insight from what happened in these conversations. And more and more contact centers are working with, with this raw data, voice data, to better understand what's happening between the agent and the, and the customer. So that, that's a big trend. So it's not only any more uh, training and skills in having a good conversation, but also to understand the conversation from the data that, uh, that's derived from it. And, and obviously, there is still a trend on digital transformation, and that has uh, has speed up uh, due to everything that happened uh, in the COVID era. 
I couldn't imagine myself using Teams as much as I as as I've done if there wasn't uh, would it have been COVID. Uh, it would have happened anyway, but uh, it would have been much slower. Uh, and now I actually I, I notice uh, myself that I don't use my phone anymore uh, for to call somebody. I'm just uh, Teams in, and and that what you see there is there is more and more digital interaction with person-to-person conversations with actual uh, images and also trying to understand how these conversations uh, go about and what you can learn from them. There's a lot of data that can be derived from it. So digital transformation is going into its next step. More and more it's about not only the clicks but also the interaction on other digital platforms. And to see a, a bit further in the future, uh, I also see that virtual reality and uh, augmented reality are making their introduction into brand conversations. And uh, that, that's an awesome step. And, and it's all data. Everything you see there is, uh, is translated into data points. So you can actually calculate what is the optimum position in a virtual room to position your brand uh, uh, adjacent to people that get into the room. Wow, that's uh, yeah. I've, I've I've seen some of these setups, and of course, as you said, it's a little bit further up the road. But maybe even due to COVID, it goes faster than we thought, and that is an interesting well move that we see. I, I totally agree with you. Um, when you look at the CX function, because many people that listen to the podcast are into customer experience, into adjacent functions, what what are data needs you see from these positions? Ah, okay. Well, what what we see at the moment is there is a big trend that the net promoter score and understanding the net promoter score alone is not enough anymore. So you want to tie the net promoter score to other business metrics, whether that's that's revenue or churn or customer lifetime value. That's up to the uh, the companies that work with it. But tying the the net promoter score to other metrics is a big trend. And that means that you need other data and and other data sources uh, that typically haven't been brought together because if you look at an organization, typically the marketing uh, or department uh, owns the web and does everything with the interaction for a consumer on the website, uh, whereas the operation owns the CRM system. And tying these two together is still for a lot of companies is new. And you as a CX professional, you have always been a professional that goes with the customer into the organization instead of going with the organization out to the customer. So meaning that you face all these silos within the organization and also all the disparative data that that surround, uh, trying to get uh, an understanding, okay, how can I bring this together? How can I bring this together for my customer? And and that is something for a CX professional. Yeah, that, that's uh, the next step uh, if it comes to data-driven working, because as I said, the net promoter score is not enough anymore to, to really understand uh, what's going on uh, in relationships with customers. No, I also need uh, what I see, especially, for example, the boards um, really looking at that proof. And not only that, also, where should we invest? And um, I remember a project, and this is 2014, so it's already seven years old, this story. But I remember that we were doing customer journey mapping at the Dutch incumbent Telco, and we were looking at the, the journey of people moving. And we really found that we did not have any data that we could collect for this journey because it was all siloed up. So we could not get that data that we really needed from the CX function where we could make decisions, what should we do? So it took like half a year before we had that fixed uh, and we really could add some data to the, the points in the customer journey. You see that more often? Yeah, it's still applicable to most of the companies uh, that we have been working with. 
You see two trends in Inge. You see that, that CX professionals are trying to grasp reality in a, in a customer journey and hence try to tie data into that customer journey. And what we also see now is that customer experience management is put up higher in the organization, meaning that it's not so much anymore about the improvement of one individual journey, but it's trying to improve the total experience. And once you move up that ladder, you get into what, what we call the life cycle, uh, meaning that you need to understand all the interactions and all the touch points of customers together with, uh, with the brand uh, across all journeys. And, and that even makes it more complex because if you're trying to optimize a journey and you try to collect data associated with that journey, then you're optimizing one single journey, obviously. But once you move up, you see there is a lot of steps in a journey that are shared between several journeys. And then it becomes even more complex. And especially in the financial industry in the Netherlands, uh, we work, for instance, with an insurer that is sowing through his digital transformation. But to do that correctly, they need to understand the holistic view on SAIX as it happens within the total organization. Uh, for them, we connected uh, over 32 uh, data sources uh, just to be able to capture all the individual touch points across all the journeys. And we're still working with them, trying to break it down into the individual individual journeys and how you can also tie that into emotions, which obviously is a part that's not typically found in uh, data itself. There's a lot of research on it, uh, but it's uh, it's not uh, yet a steadily available insight that you can derive from from the uh, from the data sources most customers are currently using. I, I love that when you look at the, this emotional part. I think it's a, well, it's it's a blank spot or white spot that I often see in many organizations because it's about facts and figures and maybe not about perception and how people really feel. Can you give an example how you capture that? Yeah, we we have done a lot of research on this area, and not only we. Uh, we work together with uh, leading universities uh, like the VU, uh, Peak Fosse, uh, who is uh, quite renowned in the natural language processing uh, space. And there's a couple of things happening. If if you look at universities, they are trying to learn robots empathy, and to learn a robot empathy, you need to understand the emotions that can be derived from conversations. Uh, we are working with Peak. Uh, to also apply that in the CX space. So we're trying to capture emotions from conversation as and where they happen. Uh, obviously, the easiest component or easiest channel to do this is the voice channel uh, because that's where conversations happen uh, between a customer and a brand. And that's where you can derive quite a bit of emotions from text, but not only from text, uh, also about how you talk. Uh, so it's not just what you say, but it's also how you say it. And uh, there, there is a lot of algorithms that we use nowadays that, that will help you to pinpoint emotions. And we want to understand the emotions because we would like to understand what behavior will follow the emotion. Next step, and that's still a bit out there, that's like artificial reality, a bit of a frontier. Uh, we also would like to understand this from web clicks or other interaction forms that happen across, across a journey. But as I said, that, that's still out there. And for now, what you can, if you want to start with emotions and you want to understand how they impact on behavior, the voice channel is the, uh, the easiest channel to pick up. Yeah, because I, we talk a lot with, with CX professionals and sometimes they're close to the contact center, sometimes they're not. Um, and then we're talking about like speech, yeah. all these speech collectives and uh, speech analytics kinds of things. Where does other data, you already mentioned a little bit, web clicks, but that you just said 32 data sources. Is there like an abbreviation or like these are the 
X most data sources that where data for Seek's professionals come from? Yeah, I think we look at it the other way, to be honest. Uh, we always look at what's the most important metric you want to influence uh, and what kind of data sources tell you the most about uh, these kind of metrics. Uh, so uh, if it's net promoter score and everything that has to do with uh, how you experience a journey, obviously then the customer metrics associated with it are around loyalty. Uh, so they are around uh, churn and yeah, share of wallet and that kind of stuff that, that you see as, as loyalty. And from that, we, we look back, back at uh, the data sources that are associated with it. So if you look at the most used data sources that we, that we use in our data science, they obviously are the promoter score feedback itself and web reviews, because with text mining, you can easily turn that around into to an insight. But also we look at, so voice data, but not only voice data, but also CRM data and product data, as well as customer characteristics. So in essence, it's your CRM and your ERP that tell you the most about how comp customers work together with you as a customer. Yeah, and I think that's very important that, that um, CX professionals that maybe are not that mature yet in the function they have, that they look broader, right? And in other types of metric, not only the the NPS or the CSET that they work with, but try to relate that to the things that matter on the board, also to get the buy-in they need and to really understand what customers are doing and, and create the right decisions. When we prepared this podcast, we're always looking for a, a title, and I really love the quote, that, and I know that you're into that, Theo. So the art and science of data-driven CX, can you give me a little bit of a, uh, your explanation around it? Yeah, you know, working with data science in CX, it is an art. Because you're looking at relationships and relationships never follow a straight line. They, they always uh, go up and down. And if you, as you know, as a CX professional, you, you're looking for the peak end experience. And that's not going to come sec from data. So it is an art to understand uh, what CX is all about and how you should uh, trying to associate that with data. The data science will give you in the end the algorithm, uh, which you can use as a compass. Uh, it guides you to where the biggest opportunities are to improve your organization into being this excellent as customer obsessed kind of organization. And But even then, you are the guide. And that's where the art comes in. Uh, we work a lot with service design professionals that put that extra touch uh, into what we can derive from the data. Because in essence, data is also quite blue if you're into the colors of organization and leadership. It's all about trying to understand what happened. And it's an historical view of what happened. Sure, we use a lot of predictive power and, and predictive knowledge from predictive modeling, but still to get that associated with senior management and get that uh, stick within the organization, uh, it becomes an art. Yeah, I like that. And I, I like it a lot, um, especially the art part. Too many people are looking back all the time. And I think it's also time to take a look at the future and start predicting. So where do you want to go and what do you need for that? How do you see that? Do you see that happening more and more? Or are you also agreeing that many people are too much living in the past? Yeah, it's starting to change. What changes fundamentally in CX the last couple of years, and it's also the reason why we grew so, so, so drastically as we did, is that companies, especially companies that has, have, have a longer term CX program, are through their quick fixes. And the net promoter score itself is starting to decay within these organizations because the, it's often the net promoter score also is stagnant uh, within these organizations. 
So, and that, that's why you see that, that they're, they're grasping for new uh, tie-ins and, and into how can I uh, make my program stick? How can I make my CX profession prove value to, to the organization? And that's where we see it's sort of getting into this era where more and more they're looking at what senior professional, senior management is looking at, which are other KPIs than just the net promoter score. And that's why you also see that, that CX more and more gets into this era of uh, we need to see how we can attach what we do to these kind of metrics. And then it becomes a data-driven approach. And that's most of our customers that we are contracting today are in this space. And the net promoter score is stagnant. We need new life in our CX program. Senior management is complaining about the function of CX within their organization. And they're looking for other metrics to uh, yeah to prove that worth. I, I like that, and I'm, I'm I'm so excited that's finally happened. I I'm as honest, I I already thought five years ago that it would take the flight it would, but well maybe it goes a little bit slower than I thought. But what I, I like about also that you can make it so practical. You already shared a best practice from the financial industry. Do you have another best practice you can give to like when it comes to data driven CX to color it a little bit in? Yeah, and I'll give a very different example because typically we do a lot in the financial industry. And then one of the big complaints from the non-financials is that, uh, yeah, that's nice, but they have a contract with their client where they have a, a very extensive customer view, but we don't. Uh, whether you're in the fast moving industry or the airline industry or all that kind of things. So one of the things we did was for Schiphol. You can easily mention them. It's a, it's a best practice, also published. And they have a similar problem. They, they would like to understand how tourists experience Schiphol, the Schiphol airport. And what we did for them is actually twofold. We, we first looked at all the feedback that they got from people that travel and use Schiphol airport in their travel as transfer or as destination or as departure. And what you saw there is that they had vast amounts of feedback, which they actually uh, had never used other than what you can immediately distract from the feedback itself in a report or that kind of stuff. So one of the things we did for them is we built what they call a driver model. And a driver model is something different. Uh, What you typically hear when you talk about a net promoter score, they're always, yeah, what are the drivers? And the most common made mistake is that you're going to ask directly about the drivers. So for instance, was the uh, the toilet area clean? Uh, yes or no, or on a, on a rank. And by doing that, you're completely creating a bias on your research data. And so we typically say, don't do that. Just ask about their experience and, and derive it from text. But even then with Schiphol, we, we build a driver model uh, using a statistical approach, trying to understand what we could learn from the data rather than just the given answers. And we saw a very nice clustering of things that were very common for the, uh, the travelers. Uh, if it comes to Schiphol, also things they had never noticed. For instance, if you look at the Schiphol buildings, they're quite old. And there's a massive project on the way to upgrade the areas. And what we found from the one of the drivers was actually a very simple thing. Uh, the number of plugs you have on the Schiphol area, because people need to charge their iPhone or their Android phone. And that was one of the most given feedback items, which they never saw before, uh, because it simply you didn't derive it from the structured feedback questions that uh, that were there. You needed the, the insight in the data to get that uh, on top. Now, the next thing we're doing with Schiphol has been a bit delayed due to COVID, obviously. But one of the things we were looking at with uh, Schiphol 
is can we use sensor data? Because there is a lot of uh, uh, discussion around the cues that are uh, apparently uh, on the skippal area. But when you derive feedback, you always ask for a perception. Uh, actually, SIPL knows exactly how many cues there are and how long they are because there are 1,800 sensors in the SIPL area. So that, that is, even though we cannot tie the, the data directly to another consumer, we can tie it to a topic that they are looking at, meaning everything that has to do with cues and uh, delays. And that's, that's what you can do when you're not so much in, the, in an area where you can tie all the data around one customer. Look at the teams, look at the topics that, uh, that are important and you see as uh, areas that can potentially be drivers to also look for what kind of other data uh, is available to help you to optimize your insight. I, I really like this best practice because I see a lot of biases in organizations. It's probably price, it's probably X, it's probably Y because that's what they ask. And of course, if you ask a customer what's most important, he or she will say price. But when you look at behavior, when you look at what you do, so I like this example that, well, they thought it would be like the clean toilets, but in the end, there were the plugs, which, which they, well, maybe would not have known. Well, when you think rationally or logically with your own brain, you probably would see, well, I was flying to Italy last week and you saw all these people gathered around those points. So <laughs> you, and it's also something that um, I like you shared with me, the importance also of qualitative data, right? And qualitative no, not only research, but this, this is also the text mining, the looking at the open answers. Yeah, there is. And the more data science you do, the more you uh, have a need for qualitative research. If you look at the area of neuromarketing, uh, which have everything to do with how the human brain responds to, to certain and what kind of behavior and, and actions you take, that's an area that, that's still in its baby stage. And if you truly want to understand what's going on in the brain based on the insights you derive from your data science kind of algorithms, you definitely need to bring, to bring in people. And what I see with a lot of companies we work with is that they are starting to build their own experience room uh, where they actually invite customers to share experiences. And obviously the topics that they present to, for the experience that, uh, that they would like to better understand are derived from data science because they know there are areas that there are very big improvements needed to uh, to uplift the net promoter score and, and, and downlift your churn. But truly understanding what's behind and what's happening in the brain, yeah, that's still where you really need qualitative research. And, and the more companies that are starting to work agile, so the more that you have a lot of teams that are trying to implement change all at the same time, uh, the bigger the need is for data science as well as qualitative research. Yeah. I, I, I think it's so important to balance that out and to, to get over your biases. And, and well, conversations go too quick. And uh, in this second part of the series of the Data Driven CX podcast, we want to close off our conversation with three questions we ask all our guests. And, and looking at your professional view, where should a CX professional start when it comes to Data Driven CX? Obviously, you start when you're starting to notice that the net promoter score itself doesn't cut it anymore. And where you start then is the simplest you can do is uh, looking at this net promoters data and is trying to understand, can I also use this differently? Uh, like with Schiphol, where we did uh, the driver analytics on that, that raw data. But, but then if that's not really the case, I would always say start with where your promoters are and both in the company as well as outside the company. And if your promoters are in the front office, I would start with, with, with MVPs to understand the conversations that, that happen there. 
So it bit depends on where you can create energy within the organization to to create a movement. I I like that. And uh, maybe for our listeners, there's a great book on promoters and maybe even going wilder a little bit, the super promoter of uh, Rijn Vogelaar, which really gives an insight in this. And it also gives an optimistic and an energized feeling. And I think you don't want to make it a struggle, (laughs) especially as a CX professional, you have to struggle a lot often. Um, So this would be great if you can start from the energetic point of view. I love that. I love that insight. Okay, then it's also, what should you absolutely not do when it comes to data-driven CX? Yeah, it's going to sound funny, but start without thinking. Not to do is just start and uh, without a proper plan, without some sort of roadmap where you want to end up. If you are going to work with data, especially data that is very different from feedback data, you really need to understand why you would like to use that data source. Because if you don't, you will end up with insights that actually aren't insights. Because there's a big bias if you just start using data without thinking through what kind of data you are actually putting on the on the table to, to present an insight. So to so start with some form of blueprint or roadmap uh, where you actually foresee for yourself, okay, what is the most important metric I would like to influence? And what kind of data do I need to, to make that case? That, that is that, that's the plus, positive. The, the other one is the negative. Yeah, so we also said what to absolutely do is actually what you're saying. Look at this metric you really want to influence, which is next to the Net Promoter Score or maybe CSAT for other people that are listening. Um, you have another tip? What absolutely to do? Yeah, but absolutely. Um, okay, what we use in our practice is what we call the insights framework. And what we're trying to do and Obviously, uh, I would love to work with you all, but uh, <laughs> there's plenty of them that would like to do this on themselves or another other way. Is but we're trying to combine three things. We're trying to combine the, the metrics that you would like to influence from a customer's perspective and a business perspective, the CX components that are relevant for that. So uh, whether that's the journeys or a life cycle or touch points, that that's up to you to decide where you are on your CX program. And lastly, what kind of data sources are associated with it. And from that, you can derive a plan in how to to optimize your insights, but also how to optimize conversation. Because once you start enriching this data, you can also use it for personalizing conversations in your CDP, for instance, your customer data platform, or whatever you use for for marketing automation. And associated with that, because you you hear that this is quite a vast uh, endeavor if you want to do it properly. Start looking at your senior management and who is your ambassador? For who are you doing this within the organization? Because it cannot be just yourself. So who will be your promoter in the board? And if he is not there, then it requires a lot of investment to do these kind of programs. Uh, I would simply wait a while till you have a promoter. Yeah, Yeah, uh, well, senior management buy-in or C-suite buy-in, whatever we are going to call it, is, is crucial not only in CX, but most important in data-driven CX. And when you get it right, you get your promoters there, but you need to turn it around. Uh, You have to start with the promoter there. Theo, thank you so much for this valuable conversation and sharing your wisdom and and insights on the art and science of a data-driven CX. Thank you very much. Wow, that went quickly, uh, Nienke. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's the way it goes. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for this. It was great fun. I hope the listeners uh, get something out of, it, out of it for their own program uh, because it, it's an interesting world out there. And I think there's still a lot to be done, but there are a lot of opportunities uh, within this space. So thanks for having me. 
You are very welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the Data Driven CX podcast. Today, we've talked about data driven CX art or science, and we concluded it's both. The two things that stood out for me are, first of all, that you have to have a real definition of the most important metric you want to influence. Next to NPS or CSAT, because that way you can start building up your data insights framework and get the insight you need to influence towards the result you want. The second insight that I will, well, I think remember for a long time is that data-driven CX helps you get over your biases. Where the Schiphol example, where they asked how clean the toilets were, but they should have looked and they in the end looked at the broader picture, finding out that plugs to load the batteries of smartphones and all other devices were of more importance to influence those metrics that were important. So I'm very grateful for the wonderful conversation and please be welcome to connect to Theo Vandersteen through LinkedIn. And to learn more about data-driven CX, go to www.informatica.com CX and check out the notes for, of course, more information on data-driven CX, Informatica, and also the LinkedIn profile of Theo Vandersteen. In the next episode, we're going to meet Jennifer McGinn, Senior Director of Product Marketing at Informatica. And together in that episode, we have a conversation and we answer the questions CX professionals have when it comes to data-driven CX. And thank you again for listening.